Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Steve Ditko created Spider-Man, X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and the Avengers, timeless characters whose stories were retold in the modern day with the creation of the Ultimate Marvel Universe. Join us as we journey through My Ultimate Year. Hello and welcome to My Ultimate Year. My name is Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by an individual that I thought was looking pretty good. I oh. thought they were looking pretty sexy, oh. and then I took off their mask, and they're oh. a baby boy. They're only a baby boy. <laughs> it's no good anymore. <laughs> it's Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? Still scrubbing the vomit off of my pants. Yep. Yep, I did uh, gag reflexively. Uh, that is reference to some Ultimate Spider-Man we read today. No, this no, is... it's real life. Just real life. It's what you did. That's <laughs> Well, it's a thing that happened, but also, but yeah. also, it was but a basis re- for inspiration. The vomit was a reference, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a reference to webbing. Uh, yep. The vomit is a, is a metaphor for webbing. And uh, we're going to go through a whole lot of metaphors. Deep dive analysis. We are going to dig in to these comics, uh, or we're going to talk about stuff that we liked and made us laugh in the Ultimate Universe as we make our way through. This is now episode 14, I think. Yeah, episode mm-hmm. 14 yeah. of our read through literally everything in Marvel's Ultimate Comics Universe. We read Ultimate Spider-Man 78 to 85, Ultimate Spider-Man Annual number one. We got the annuals kicking off here deep into the Ultimate Universe. And then we did Ultimate X-Men 66 to 74 and Ultimate X-Men Annual number two. Now, if you want to find all the comics that we read, you can find them listed in the show notes. You can find next month's episode listed as well. We have 21 new Ultimate Universe issues. And again, if you're joining us for this, we're doing the whole shebang ultimate universe the whole thing everything and zach i gotta tell you mm. i'm getting i'm getting antsy i'm getting antsy oh. in my pants about uh getting to the real notoriously bad stuff like me I me too jazzed. yeah yeah me too <laughs> actually i agree yeah like, I, I was... we're, we're approaching ultimatum we're approaching uh-huh. the ultimates volume three some historical moments of just like fan outrage in Ultimatum. Marvel, in, yeah, I've read Ultimatum. I know how bad that is. Uh-huh. Like, at least I remember, you know, being like 17, 18. I mean, actually, it's 17, 18. I was just like, cool, this is grown up. <laughs> you read it um, in the moment, yeah, which is yeah. amazing to me. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <clears throat> then, but I have not read Ultimates Volume 3, so I don't think I've gone that far. So we're going to get yeah. out of order. We're going to read some stuff I haven't read, and then we're going to get back to stuff I have read. <clears throat> okay but yeah we're definitely we're a few episodes away from that um but we're kind of again like we're in that we're deep in the ultimate universe um again like we're 80 plus issues in ultimate spidey here and everything is still solid i think if yeah. you're reading it for the first sure. time like it's definitely a light breezy affair um we'll start with ultimate spider-man today that continues to be Brian Michael Bandis and Mark Bagley, as it has been since Jump. Uh, Ultimate X-Men is interesting because this is the launch, this is the debut of Robert Kirkman, the writer, co-creator of The Walking Dead, of Invincible, yeah. of of many, many good comics and extremely popular comics, you may know. Widely, he's widely, doing considered, here. widely considered his best superhero work, I'd say. 
widely considered by Zach's very uh, singular frame of reference <laughs> to be this is this is definitely the most X-Men comic he has written. I yeah. will give you that. I said uh, that with you the know biggest what? little stinker smile on my face. Right yeah, Zach is, you, uh, if this is one of your first episodes and you don't know about Zach's, how bad he is <laughs> yet, uh, one, <laughs> one of his... Uh, Just a literal spit take. <laughs> <laughs> one of his biggest takes is that Invincible is, in fact, no good. I deeply disagree. Um, Everyone does. No one, no one is with me on this. It's, it's, you, you should be you should be learning from the amount of times that no one is with you. No, that's like that's, that should that doesn't be happen a as often as you think it does. But this is like really like no, it happens constantly. You know, one thing that I am impressed by actually with you mm. is you stick to your guns very well. Like you don't, from what I've seen, like when mm. you're like, yeah, I don't like something, and somebody's like, yeah, historically this is great. What are you talking about? Like you don't back down. You aren't. You don't like change your mind like you are a stubborn fool but you are <laughs> you stick to your opinions well, and i appreciate I, that yeah because i'm not doing it for the hot takes right i'm just it's just my brain oh if i if i brain's thoughts that's something i didn't like it was good from someone mm-hmm. i even remotely respect i will change my opinion in a snap <laughs> <laughs> i will immediately cave to what they're saying um yeah. but anyway yeah. We're going to talk today about, let's start with Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, issues 78 to 85. This is the gang war, more or less. So this is mm-hmm. post Peter Parker and Mary Jane breaking up. We get one um, so whole we have issue of that, too. Like, an entire One whole issue, issue of just them dealing with, which remains probably the best thing about, or like, definitely the thing about the Bendis Ultimate Spider-Man, the Bendis Bagley Ultimate Spider-Man, which is that, like, it's so much a teenage drama. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you dig that aspect of it and sort of that um, area of Spider-Man's life and Spider-Man's stories told in that vein, Ultimate Spider-Man will continue to feel, I think, very compelling. I actually think, you know, we just talked about it, but Ultimate Spider-Man and Invincible are two series that I consider very similar because they both sure. kind of do those things of like, yeah, we're just going to stick with the teenage emotional drama of this and and kind of progress slowly through that. Um, and if you're into that piece of it, you're going to dig it. If you're not, like, if you really prefer Earth 616, you know, at this point, more grown-up Spider-Man, um, Ultimate Spider-Man's probably not uh, going to hit. And I'd give, I mean, I'll definitely give Invincible this. And I don't think Invincible is, a uh, like, a trash fire or anything. I just think it's wildly overrated. Um, I read, like, 55 issues of it in a three-day weekend, right? Like, I, I had yeah, it all yeah. on my... my uh, tablet and i just like sat and just binged it like crazy you know like it's it's an easy comic to read and it's not you know it's not an unenjoyable comic to read i didn't hate read it or anything i just walked away being like what is the adoration for this i don't i don't understand well Um, and that's what this that's what this ultimate universe these these issues specifically continue to do is they are so breezy and you can make it through them so quickly like usm by bendis and then kirkman has a similar style yeah i i think actually ultimate spider-man has a similar kind of rep as just being like kind of th- this great comic that doesn't get uh, I, I don't know i think maybe people criticize brian and michael bendis a little more but over- <laughs> try a lot more so well like, this for, is for this, this is though, 0506 this... like bendis is is hot you know yeah, now yeah, in 2020 yeah. there's a no. lot of there's a big body of work that's what that i mean that elicits like, this, a strong reaction th- this comic i think is like pretty widely beloved and i usually just see this like when people talk about this they talk about it with like glowing praise 
Um, well, and that's that's but it, but what uh, I've been struggling with as we do this. Is yeah, right. You the memory of glowing praise versus mm-hmm. the now like reappraisal, which is like, yeah, it's not like it's not like a great comic. Like it's not it's, it's not fun. like doing it's got little moments, fascinating yeah. things. You know, yeah, I just really dug it. Yeah, it's got it's got its moments where it really shines, and then it's got a lot that are kind of like. So th- this is an issue that I really appreciate the structure of. I like that he gives this time to breathe. I just. It's one of those things where he's writing teenagers flirting, and it's just, it, the ear, his ear for teenage dialogue flirting is, you know, it's, it's awkward, it's kind of weird, I, I don't know. This, this is one of those issues where just <laughs> You're everything... describing teenage flirting <laughs> with those words you're choosing. <laughs> Teens, am I right? <laughs> no, I mean... Hashtag you know, TikTok. Liz Allen calls... We don't it, have an account. Liz Allen is trying to get Mary Jane out of the bathroom stall because she's crying, and she's like, oh, Mary, is it... Are you in there because of one of those special times that only women have once a month? And it's like, that is not how... That is how an old man who's uncomfortable talking about periods... (laughs) Like, an old man, he's like 35 at this point. But, like, an older man talking about, like, periods would write that. That is not how, like, teenage girls talk to each other. Hey, man, there's a big period stigma in the U.S., and I think it's high time we talked about it here on this show. Well, yes, I agree. And I think it's time that Brian Michael Bendis gets taken to task for it. Um... Yeah, it's fine. It, 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 this issue is, is okay. It's just a, like, there's a guy flirting with Mary Jane. I think we're supposed to find him charming. He just ca- is kind of awkward, and it, it falls a little flat for me. Um, I do think the whole thing of, like, Peter, you know, worried about, okay, MJ's going to throw herself into someone else's arms to make me jealous. Like, we, we did literally do that mm-hmm. earlier, which isn't to say she wouldn't do that again. But that piece of it, I'm definitely, like, pretty tuned out on. Yeah. Um, just because, like, we... We totally had that plot line. Well, like, it's, it's not in, super engaging a second time. I agree. And this is like not that this is some guy is winning her over despite herself, right? This guy is like charming her. And it's just like the guy's not that charming. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, all men are dogs. I'm, I'm not afraid to say it. You know, we all, we all, we all suck. And that's what's yeah. charming about me is I'm not, and it's kind of like, I don't know. It's, I think it's just kind of the times and it's just like, just reads as a little uh, dated and clumsy to me now. Anyway, that's the you know that's one issue here. I, I I think I generally like appreciate what's happening in the issue, but just the dialogue here falls flat. But then I think seventy nine through eighty five is one big arc, the gang war arc, like you mentioned, and mm-hmm. it's it's just a confluence of a lot of confluence, confluence. There we go. I was with you on confluence. I thought you were getting a little it's fancy pants conf- on us. It's a confluence. I can, I can ride that wave. Confluence of uh of different characters, mostly centered around Hammerhead, who. <laughs> Survived getting the top of his head blown off for no reason. They just, you know. <clears throat> actually, I kind of well. He's got a hammerhead. That. I'm, I'm actually more into hammerhead when it's just like he's got a really strong head, and we don't know why. <laughs> I'm really into that. Yeah, that that is that is kind of funny, and I actually do kind of don't mind that they just hand wave away. But like Gambit blew the top of his head off from the inside, like ex- put an explosive in his mouth, and we watched like the top of his yeah. brain blow out. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like people are like we thought you were dead, and he's like. I was. It sucked. It's like, oh, <laughs> all right, whatever. <laughs> I'm fine with that, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's goofy, fun. but uh, yeah. but it's okay. He's sure. getting into a gang war with, uh, you know, people don't fear the kingpin yep. the way they used to. He's been brought low a few times by our boy, Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, I, I do, and, and the other thing, of course, is like Bendis then in the midst of this gang war gets the opportunity to bring in like a whole bunch of uh, street-level Marvel characters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we get Ultimate Moon Knight, we get Ultimate Shang-Chi, Ultimate Iron Fist, and then we get the return of Elektra and Black Cat. 
I will definitely say here, I prefer this gang war to like 80s Amazing Spider-Man gang war. I think it's a better story uh, in the Ultimate Universe. Plus, it's just innately a lot more interesting the way they bring in all the cameos. You know, like the the cameos don't make it one of my favorite Ultimate Spider-Man stories, but it, I am engaged reading it being like, okay, what are we doing here with any of these characters? I, I think that's the answers tend to be fairly disappointing yeah, in terms yeah. of Bendis's vision or interest in uh in these characters especially moon knight i guess i would like he doesn't do anything with moon knight in a way that feels like when we read ultimate team up and bendis was just like hey what if we did spider-man stories with the earth 616 version of all these characters but in the ultimate verse you know like with nothing different about them and that stuff disappoints me um because it's like the small changes to iron fist and shang chi in the story like being martial arts bros is at least fun like I'm into that combination of those two characters, uh, so that I that I didn't mind. I don't know. What do you think about all the the kind of onslaught of cameos that yeah, happens in the set story? dressing? You know, like he's not really doing much with them. You know, they're they're like I can't tell you what Shang Chi is doing here or Danny Rand except like fighting the bad guys because right they're, they're muscling in on the neighborhood and that's like the beginning and end of their character characterization motivation powers. Right, like there's not too much to it, but you know I don't I don't mind it. I guess I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not. I also don't love those characters. Like, I don't know enough about them to be disappointed. Right. So, I mean, like, I guess. I guess the thing with it, it's an interesting challenge that the Ultimate Universe has, where the part of the excitement, definitely the first go round, was like, "Ooh, how are these characters going to get introduced and you know maybe changed a little in the Ultimate Universe?" Mm-hmm. And then because it's so tight and to, like comparatively, and only has so many titles, you know, like really we're bouncing between what like four to five comics here you know like which is great which is great it's part of what makes reading through the ultimate universe so much easier yeah and so much more bingeable than like earth 616 which is a mess but part of the challenge there then is like all right if we want to do moon knight and iron fist and shang chi and we're going to toss them all into the same story you're ensuring you don't have time to really in any way explore like what those characters are, how they fit in. And I don't know, it's not like I'm sitting here like, yeah, I really would have liked Ultimate Moon Knight 1 through 5 by Bendis and somebody, but yeah. by a different yeah. creative unit. I don't know, I guess then then it's like, well, okay, you could do that, but now you're expanding the titles in a way that makes the Ultimate Universe less accessible, and that's actually probably not what I'm into. So I, I can understand why they did it the way that they did. I think maybe it's just cramming too much into one... Like, yeah, maybe you do least, one of these cameos, like, just Moon Knight, and yeah. then the return of Black Cat and Electra. That's probably plenty. Yeah, and focus on that more. I, I agree. Because I, I think, like, it, at least, it, it didn't annoy me. It wasn't like what they did with Luke Cage, what Mark Miller did in Luke Cage and that Ultimates thing, where it's literally, he's a background character joke. And that's they aren't like, jokes, I guess. They just yeah. throw it away, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it doesn't expand them. It doesn't feel that different from the, you know, the real versions. But it is focused largely on Peter Parker here. I like the way he deals with this big mess of a gang war. The fun reference to, um, I think it's an old Daredevil issue, I think back in the 80s, where <laughs> Kingpin pulls in Daredevil and is like, hey, take care of this guy for me. He's yeah. a bad guy. And like, yeah. you're, you're going to do it because it's going to help me, but you're going to do it because you fight bad guys. Um, yeah, that was in the like, Frank Miller run. Yeah, and enlisting Daredevil, Kingpin does the same thing here with Spider-Man. Like, enlists him to take down Hammerhead. I liked that. And, uh, and I... I really liked the moment where, in the middle of this, like, chaotic gang war, Spider-Man just webs up literally every person in the room and just, like, sprays webbing yeah. everywhere. That That's a fun moment where he just has, like, all six or seven of these big, powered, you know, 
good and bad guys. He just doesn't know how to like figure out what's going on, so he just tries to tie everybody up and call the cops. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a fun moment. Oh, actually, I really love the moment after Kingpin enlists him for this. That's where the issue ends. Next issue picks up. He goes to the cops. He goes to Gene DeWolf, which right. I really like as a choice. I feel like that's not the obvious choice, but it makes sense that he would just be like. I have no idea how to deal with this. I'm just going to go to the police and like ask them what to do. I like him going to other people for help when he feels like overwhelmed. That's a that's a smart choice. That continues to be a thing I like a lot about Ultimate Spider-Man and this teenage version. Exactly that he is he is outmatched and he is 16 <laughs> and mm-hmm. has the reaction of like, hey, I should probably get some adults involved. Um, and he's not afraid to admit that. Uh, which is it makes Ultimate Spider-Man interconnected to the Marvel Universe in a way that it takes Peter Parker of Earth-616 a lot longer to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, enlisting an ally or, or an apparent ally like Gene DeWolf, who we know from the death of Gene DeWolf, essentially reading through the My Marvelous Year universe, um, that's a good a good addition, I think, here to bring into the Spider-Man mythos. Uh, I will mention, too, probably my favorite part of this whole comic is definitely... So Black Cat returns, mm-hmm. and we have seen her previously. And of course, like based on the 616 stories that we know you know black cat has a very flirtatious relationship with spider-man here he's broken up with mj so he's you know he's interested as well but the great twist on this is black cat goes to finally make the move and kiss spider-man you know this nervous peter parker who's finally given in takes his mask off only to (laughs) literally gag at the sight of this tiny little boy this little small <laughs> child making yeah, the, the funniest pucker up face. Great visual comedy. Yep. Uh, the no dialogue and there's no dialogue needed. It is one. It's one of my favorite it's, ultimate. And then she Spider-Man just moments. and she vomits all over his crotch. <laughs> just the ultimate like shutdown. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Talk about like having a, a yeah a flirtatious moment go wrong. Yeah. Tra- <laughs> traumatic on like the crotch. romantic encounter. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, which m- makes a lot of sense and is a fun like. Yeah, you're uh, you're because Black Cat is all over him before that, and it's just like yeah, he's like 16. This is yeah, this is a problem. And then, uh, and, but to him, he's just like, I mean, she's pretty sexy. She's an older woman, but I think we can make uh-huh. it work, right? Because in his head, he's just you know living his own little fantasy. So yeah, right. yeah, fun, fun the resolution of that. So yeah, overall, you know, fun Spider-Man comics. Read them in you know 25 minutes, all seven issues or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I a few things to call out. I will say that. And we we both joked about this earlier today. Um, you on the My Roll This Year Slack, which you can join if you visit us over mm, at patreon.com slash mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And I tweeted about it, but like Bendis's habit of snaking, um, like just like taking over the page dialogue bubbles mm-hmm. is out of control. <laughs> of at, you, at these the very, issues, it, it... <laughs> at the very least, those are all background, like people chatting in the background as Peter Parker walks through, and you don't need to read all of them. That's the saving grace of that panel. There's a like, reason for it, but just visually, I look at it and I'm no, like, I, nope. I know. I, I, <laughs> I'm I turned here. the page and like just like was, oh my god, like, and I immediately had to go, you know, share it with the Slack and like yell about it because did you did you notice one of the uh, word bubbles like in the background of just students chatting is just like, hey, what's podcasting? <laughs> no, I and that's I actually I don't hate what he's going for. Definitely, yeah. you know, like that. I because th- it happens in plenty of comics where you're, you're trying to capture voices of the of the scene right and it's i think it's supposed to be peter thoughts. parker's just drifting through this you know school and all this conversations yeah. happening around him and he's removed from it yeah no right there totally like there's a reason for it i just think when you look at that and you know bendis's yeah yeah it's only <laughs> for like over 
overwriting dialogue, uh, which again, this is literally not dialogue. Uh, it's just you look at it and you're like, it's only because I'm he's absolutely not going to spend time reading that. In the past. <laughs> that is absurd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and I, I will say, and we've talked about this a bunch, and we don't need to relitigate it, but like, I don't know. There's a backlash to the idea that like Bendis's dialogue was always awful or something, uh, which I feel like is kind of BS. I feel like. It, when I read these comics the first time, I think if you're reading them at the time in the moment, like Bendis's very snappy back and forth dialogue, it can hit very effectively in a way mm-hmm. other writers really don't. Uh, so I yeah. do want to give some props there. Be- yeah. It doesn't always, right? There's plenty of moments we criticize, but there, I feel like there's a modern feeling of like Bendis is a dinosaur, especially from like some younger readers and critics and stuff. I think, um, and that he's... like you know he was he was always just annoying or something and it's like no there was a reason he became really popular and it's because his comics were snappy and fast and had like fun ideas that he went through really quickly like from from the run of like 2002 when he starts on daredevil through you know like 2006 kind of when he's off the title like he's doing that he's revamping new avengers and he's doing ultimate spider-man really well like there's a lot of good stuff in there um that i think you know people now looking back are like this was always bad or something and that's really just not the yeah, I, I I do think he does like his hit rate for because he does a lot of jokes, and his hit rate for me is definitely a lot more misses than hits. But he hits sometimes, and he hits in a way that's very uniquely him. And is, when it, he is there misses, a comic creator where that's not true? You know? Yeah, I'm sure. Like like tons. like being a very funny superhero comic book writer is extremely difficult. We talked yeah. about this in the the best of you know year and best of for 2020 that we did not too long ago. But like a superhero comic that makes me laugh out loud with any consistency, mm-hmm. I can count them on one hand. You know, so I I don't necessarily also, hugely fault him for that. You, you do also just see the like the we're spending so much time with him with these specific characters. We are seeing the repetition of jokes. I'm seeing that like a lot. Like sure. there are a lot of jokes sure. where it's just like someone says here's one. Someone says a kind of an odd slang term especially an older person and someone else will be like hey what's that word and they'll just be like uh there's something new i'm trying and the other person says don't like that happens with ben yurik here ben yurik says something like sure yeah and uh that i i feel like i've seen that exact for like <laughs> i mean probably probably the same way if you hung yeah. out with somebody for six years yeah of you course. would hear them I, make the same jokes right, right? Well, well i mean that that is I don't think that's exactly a shield from criticism being like, hey, you stayed on a comic book title for 130 issues. So that means that, you know, I'm not supposed to notice when you're kind of, you know, playing playing the hits or going back to the well for the same jokes. Like, I think that maybe means that you were running low on inspiration and maybe shouldn't have stayed on for 130 issues. That's not what I'm saying about this necessarily. Wow. I just don't think that Calls that's for a, his head. I don't think that's a criticism or a shield from criticism. What I like, uh, better I think it than... is though, because it's a there's a reasonable level of expectation with the series running this long that a, that a writer is going to pull from the same well. <laughs> they are they are still the same mind that was creating the comic, you know, when they started six years ago. The fact that they would repeat a joke to me, it it, it sort of depends on the context and and exactly what it is, you know. Um, but just I don't know that to me is like. I mean, his. Di- I don't. I don't find that any reason to be critical about that, frankly. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, his dialogue is also so like quick and pitter patter that you know. But by the time I like realize I'm like rolling my eyes at it's already over. So you know, like it is not. Yeah, it moves quickly. Yeah. Um. I will. My favorite issue of his that we read is Ultimate Spider-Man that's, Annual Number One. That's what one. I was about to say. Yeah. Uh, this is a good. It's a good annual issue, but also it's a really good idea, and it Great becomes idea. one of my favorite things from the Ultimate Universe. And it's yeah. it is about the beginning of the relationship between Peter Parker and Kitty Pride. 
which is great. Like the post MJ breakup, instead of just doing the same will they won't they thing with MJ again, what Bendis and Mark Brooks on Interiors here, which is a really good looking comic, um, yep. what they do is they they say, all right, who do we have available? Young teens in the Ultimate U that are single and looking to mingle, and we've got Peter Parker and uh, Kitty Pride. Let's get them together because Kitty Pride just broke up with Iceman, who like Bobby Drake's just really just a jerk consistently like a fairly uninteresting jerk in yeah. x-men unfortunately yeah, yeah. um and uh kitty and peter together is immediately super fun yep and and a really and you have spider-man with Makes the x-men connections sense. now like and they go their first date is like what is it going fighting the rhino it's awesome or no it's shocker um yeah it's super fun i i love these characters together yeah it's it's such a good like th- this while i was reading this just being like this is like everything i want from the ultimate universe where you're just like hey what is a fun like what if that you couldn't mm-hmm. really pull off in the mainline Marvel, right? Like yeah. Peter Parker yeah. and Kitty Pride were not teenagers at the same time in Marvel Comics in like six one six. They are here. That's a great idea. Like yeah, it, it feels instantly like classic, you know. Like and it feels like I, I don't know. This is up there with like Peter Parker's best like you know romantic relationships with me or for me like. Kitty Pride, yeah. And Peter Parker here. Well, so, it is, they're cute together, thing. and they like. There's a great rationale for it, right. The reason he broke up with MJ is like, yeah, he's concerned that she's just you know a normal civilian. She can't deal with superhero life. She's going to get herself hurt. Kitty Pride doesn't have that. You know, she gets into more serious trouble than he does even. Right, and, and Peter being like, no, you can't come with me. You're going to get hurt. It immediately gets shot down because Kitty like phases through him, and she's like, what are you talking about, you fool? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're a great match. The again, that sort of young romance when Bendis taps into it effectively, that yep. that hits. Works he better, does that yeah. here in yeah. this annual very very well. Just like the two of them after they get done with the date, thinking about each other again, not just in that way, like very fond, like this is going to be something way. Uh, yeah, I love Peter and MJ together. I think if you take away nothing else from this from this episode like it's ultimate spider-man annual number one because that's it is going to um you know set a sort of uh, a thing that's going to be continuing through the ultimate universe that is a huge net positive it's one of my favorite things in both x-men and spider-man around this time yep agreed yeah because it immediately like we start reading x-men we must have read this at the exact right time <laughs> i like t- maybe someone actually made this list and it didn't just kind of <laughs> spring up <laughs> randomly um it's almost like this was published previously on uh comicbookreading.com comic yeah. book reading order oh oh sorry um hey can we swear on this podcast i don't remember uh, i mean yeah sure i'll just bleep it out are you gonna just say f that website no i was gonna curse you out that was the joke that was the uh, oh oh i got it didn't get it before yep so it immediately goes into the, the three-issue arc called Date Night on X-Men, which does include Kitty Pride sneaking out, not sneaking out, going out of the X-Mansion to go on a date with Peter Parker, even though I think he's kind of off-panel for the majority of it. Um, yeah, he's, it's not. not a Peter Parker story but by any measure, but here, yeah. he pops up for a panel or a page. Yeah, so this is, this is great. Robert Kirkman comes in. I think he's doing very good work here, right? Like, it is not... I don't think he is bristling with new ideas the same way that Mark Miller is, but like when Mark Miller was no. doing that, it was both fun, but also I think a liability to that comic because he kind of just like, here's a, you know, a big fresh new idea. And then here's a big fresh new idea that I'm not actually going to follow through on. I'm just going to mention, you know, like he kind of with a whim, like picked up and put down different ideas. This is mm-hmm. not quite that, but I still think there's like a lot of um, freshness here. He's taking characters in interesting directions. Uh, what about Nightcrawler? How do you feel about what they did to Nightcrawler? Because I know you adore Nightcrawler. <laughs> yeah, so they really... let's, let's get to that in okay. a minute, because that's yeah. that's the annual. 
oh right yeah. animal number two oh, yes, um, yes. I, what i want to say about kirkman that you just touched on is i agree and i actually think he kind of picks up what brian k vaughn like what i thought brian k vaughn would be doing uh-huh. and kind of didn't land and he at picks all, it up yeah. and actually succeeds at it a little bit better which is yep. to say like his first issue that date night issue is um it just bounce it bounces between every character that we care about but it gives every one of them some meat like yep. it doesn't feel too chaotic it feels like we're actually giving time and interest to all these characters in fairly interesting ways mm-hmm. um and it's doing the thing whether you like this or not but it's doing the thing that ultimate spider-man does well in bendis and bagley which is that it's like leaning into hey these x-men are teenagers yep and uh they want to go and make out with their boyfriends and girlfriends and whoever they're with right and uh it it just taps into all that while simultaneously then having like a professor x story where he's meeting the ultimate universe lalandra niramani and they're having dinner and talking about the the future of the phoenix so i think it starts off extremely successfully now as ultimate x-men progressed um i wasn't over the moon about it definitely like i think it's i think it's good when it's playing with the actual x-men as teenagers and as characters i don't love the big i guess the the biggest thing that really holds ultimate x-men back mm-hmm. is a thing that holds the ultimate universe back right now for me and it is that it has no idea what to do with marvel cosmic like, it is so flummoxed yeah, yeah, and yeah. so in its own head about reinventing the Marvel cosmic scene in, like, all the worst ways. Like, basically, it doesn't like, just put it like to. this. What if we like, made Marvel cosmic on Earth and not cosmic? And it's yeah, like, yeah, that would yeah. suck. <laughs> that would be the opposite of what makes it cool. And that's what a bunch of these stories keep doing, uh, none more so than the saga of the Phoenix, I would say. I mean, it really wants to root everything in, like, science. Right, it does not want to stray into magic. What is, what is not scientific about space? But it doesn't want to stray into magic. It doesn't want to stray into like that kind of sci-fi fantasy thing that like Starlin was doing with cosmic stuff. It doesn't want to like really get into alien civilizations. Like th- the most we got was Galactus, and that's literally that's just. Robots, I mean, the the right? Ultimate like, Extinction trilogy is kind of the exception to this rule, where it's like, all right, Warren Ellis and whoever else you know creators involved, you have the keys. To doing yep. some alien stuff and Mark Millar and Mark Miller and Brian Hitch, you got you got the keys to some alien stuff, but like everyone else, you know, keep it on Earth. Yeah, like keep it in your Earth pants. And, and even that <laughs> doesn't fit. Like do they that. don't go to space. They don't really talk to aliens. Ultimate Silver Surfer is kind of a non, you know, non-character there. Right, Galactus is not Galactus does not speak. He's a hive mind. Even Marvel, yeah. like you don't really know anything about him. And Marvel feels almost like an afterthought. So yeah, it does. It does feel like they, they don't suck get... all the fun. Yeah, out of Cosmic. Like the, it, it's yeah. If you take Jim Starlin or Jack Kirby concepts and you really try to ground them, yeah, you're sucking the magic out of Be, them. Right, and just make it all like, hey, these are uh, these are just like suburban neuroses. Like all these powers, yeah. <laughs> they're just like yeah. the neuroses of you know like rich suburban kids. Which is you know I I do like that idea. I like the idea a lot of, I think that's a fun twist on the Phoenix, I will say, of, like, Jean Grey just getting it in her head that, like... That part of it, I don't hate. That part alone doesn't... Because it's. I don't think it's executed super well. We see that in a lot of media uh, where there's a story about, you know, this character that... Are they really seeing whatever's going on? Obviously, like, Fight Club is a pretty famous Thor. example. We Thor saw it in the Ultimate Night Run by uh, Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood. I, I don't totally dislike that idea with gene because that is the way the ultimate universe has been trending you know is mm-hmm. this like 
is the phoenix a real thing is it just a gene's power manifesting and she's creating a separate personality to place it in this entity um it, it's a different way of handling it i i think that part of it alone i don't really dislike what i did have a harder time with definitely is like lalandra as the the shiar and the shiar being this like basically like religious institution yeah uh, like a scientologist kind of thing that yeah. tracks the phoenix as their um you know the god they worship kind yeah. of and instead of being anything to do with being out in space uh which again like in isolated instances maybe that change is fine but when you put it together with the whole of marvel cosmic just really just being like kind of ruined by the ultimate universe i'm like well i don't know it, it doesn't feel to me it's like just create something different in that case um, you don't have to do the cameo name drop for me. You know, I'd rather it was just a new thing in the ultimate verse. Yeah. Like it, there was another example of this where it was just like, don't, don't even use the name. You're just using the name for the name's sake. Right. And like Lalandra feels yeah. like that here where it's just like, I don't even care about the Shi'ar. Like I'm not a, you know, Claremont Shi'ar. I'm not interested in them necessarily. Like she's fine. She, the build up to her was more interesting than when she actually showed up. But like sure. th- that character, yeah, it does just feel like, you know. Hey, here's a here's a wink. You know what that is, and um, mm-hmm. yeah. But yes, otherwise, I I think his voice for these characters is pretty fun. I think he's got a really good sense of pacing, right? I think that's like feels really effortless here. That we have so many different like storylines going, and like you said, it bounces back and forth between them, and it never feels overwhelming. It doesn't feel disconnected. It does feel like one cohesive, you know, train all moving forward. Yeah, I would say Kirkman's one of his absolute gifts as a comic book storyteller is pacing like he can make fast moving story that you feel like you don't want to put down up there with with the best of them uh i will say you know kind of to what we were just talking about in the second story arc which is this new mutant elliot boggs who comes Mm -hmm. out to be known as the magician this is actually kirkman doing exactly what we were just saying and being like hey we can actually create stuff here (laughs) like you guys know like just because it's the ultimate universe doesn't mean Everything has to be, you know, a cameo reference or a, a different take on existing Marvel properties. And that's what they do with this character, Elliot Boggs, who the X-Men find as or they basically they have Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. deliver Elliot Boggs to them after the apparently Elliot killed his fa- parents. As Wait, his can I power manifested? Yeah. Can I call that out, though? Because it's the end of, I think, 67, maybe. Mm hmm. Where, like, we've been seeing flashes of a, a young man running around his, like, mansion being like, Mom, I definitely Dad, thought this was Angel, you? by the way. Yeah. And and then, like, the the end of the issue, the cliffhanger, is he walks into a room with two dead bodies, and he's just like, oh, my God. And it's the weirdest, worst cliffhanger I think we've seen, where it's just like, well, I don't know who that boy is, and I don't know what's... What a... <laughs> like, I thought it was Warren Worthington for a minute, because it's like a, you know, a blonde, muscly rich boy i don't have a problem with that as a cliffhanger because it's the the point is like who is this and what's going on but i also thought it was warren and that made it more confusing to me yeah but well i mean it, give me something that's interesting about that then not just like literally a teen boy walks in on his parents dead bodies with no you know i don't know that's too common for you yeah it's too vanilla i want like you know they're familiar their back skin flayed into like angels like uh hannibal or something that's what dang gets, gets me going. dang deep cut yeah. hannibal reference pretty yeah. good show i would pretty, give it a recommendation pretty, pretty good show i would say the right level of spookiness if that's something holding you back as well <laughs> um yeah so but like the elliot box story it becomes then it becomes a story about like nick fury shows up and he's like presser x like hey what about that kid you gave us nick's like i didn't give you a kid what are you talking about everything becomes sort of 
shrouded in what is Elliot Boggs' illusions. Um, I thought maybe we were going for a mastermind thing here. Nope. Yeah. Elliot Boggs is just a straight-up new Ultimate Universe character. He's called the Magician. He can basically take on the X-Men by himself. Um, he's and just, like, super-powered. Overreacting, they say. Like, oh, there's insa- a lot of overreacting in this. They insa- yeah. insanely overreact to the point where Wolverine is just like, I'm killing this kid, and then thinks he kills the kid, and the guy, like, the entire time, Elliot is just like, no, please, I didn't mean to, like, I don't mean anything, and then it turns out he didn't, like, he wasn't even playing. He just liked the X-Men and wanted to be a part of them, so he kind of, like, manufactured his own way to get But, like, subconsciously, right? right? He, like, explains later that he's just like, what I want just kind of manifests around me. You know, or at least the illusion of it. So, like, I yeah. manifested that my parents were dead because I wanted to join the X, you know, the X Men, and I manifested the, um, you know, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants attacking because I wanted to fight them and, you know, prove myself. Blah blah blah. And he's like, totally innocent. Like, he's not trying to do this. And Wolverine literally, like, in his mind, has murdered this boy. <laughs> because, yeah. Like, no. And and well, that is one thing Kirkman does too many times is he references that single issue where uh, Nick Fury has Wolverine uh, basically assassinate a young mutant whose power is just out of control, and they're like, he's going to kill a lot of people. He needs to be put down. Mm -hmm. He references that like 26 times. Like that's half of Wolverine's dialogue. It's like, hmm, remember that time, Nick, when you sent me to get that kid? He just keeps doing it over and over again to the point where I was like, okay, like I I get that you dug that issue, Kirkman, but like move on. Let's do something else with it. Um, But yeah, Boggs is, is... an interesting creation, yeah, sure. I think. Um, it's not my it's favorite, a fine addition. Yeah. I, like you mentioned, there is also a mutant prom at Emma Frost Academy mm-hmm. where uh, they do appear to be raided by the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants while Colossus and Northstar are there together. Um, who else? There's one couple that we definitely know. Lorna Dane well. and Alex Summers, right? That's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, so it's, I mean, again, like it's breezy, generally fun. Uh, I don't love it. I think it started hotter than it finishes. And then, of course, the other thing that we talked about is the is Jean going crazy? Is she imagining this Phoenix stuff? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of un- continues to be generally unresolved. Although she is like she does basically get into like a mini dark Phoenix state, threatening to kill Alandra, and Professor X has to like kind of trick her and put her down. He tricks her by shouting, "I love you." Uh, which yeah. Oh, yeah. Weird little wink to uh... maybe some undertones there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of interesting. Which you know, snaps her out of it, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I like these. I, I had a lot of fun with this. So, like, I, again, I don't think it's the most like fascinating, you know. I, I think the thing that I stuff, miss but... that I'm looking for in X Men, you know, is like, what are the interesting, cool ideas here that could be things that could be taken elsewhere into Earth mm-hmm. Six One Six? And I don't really feel like there's much aside from. A literal like, hey, let's do something with Ellie Boggs. That character was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. There's not really anything here that I could sink my teeth into in yeah. current X-Men yeah, yeah. stuff, uh, which is always a little bit of a bummer. Um, with the exception of, I could definitely sink my teeth into, but I don't like it. I don't. I don't like the way it tastes. It's Ultimate <laughs> X-Men Annual number two, and this yeah, is uh, the issue that I call the desecration of Kurt Wagner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. Uh, Kirkman set out on a uh, let's make Kurt Wagner uh, Nightcrawler suck. And it's honestly like the Ultimate Universe has kind of been trending this way anyway. Yeah. I, I'm always saying like do interesting new things with these characters. This is interesting. Unless they're my, unless uh, they're my babies. Nightcrawler is literally my favorite non Spider-Man yeah. character, so this one hurts a bit. Um, but I, the general idea that I do like is Nightcrawler's he's suffered a lot of trauma. 
here. Mm -hmm. He was broken by the Weapon X program. They used him as a murdering weapon. He has some psychological issues and trauma to work through, I think. And the way that manifests in this story specifically is basically he just wants somebody to love him, specifically Allison Blair, Dazzler, who has been hospitalized in a coma throughout most of this. Um, and Kurt, obviously, he suffers too from, like, he's blue and looks like a devil, and he gets treated accordingly uh, a lot of times by humankind, right? But what he does is he kidnaps Allison from the hospital. Um, he hides her away. He lies to her about what happened to the X-Men, about why they're hiding. And basically, he's, like, trying to keep her his prisoner and uh, convince her to fall in love with him through lies, manipulation, until the X-Men find out about this because Kurt is dumb enough to go back to the X-Men to keep up appearances of everything being normal where Wolverine smells <laughs> where there's two and Professor two X reads his mind. Right. There's two telepaths and, you know, a, a Logan point. in the room. Yeah. It, it doesn't, point. it lasts no time at all. Logan is immediately just like, oh, uh, he smells like Dazzler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And Professor X has to be like, uh, don't, don't kill him, please. <laughs> Um, I, I do like so yeah I don't I don't like this turn on Nightcrawler but I do appreciate the attempt at doing something different I like it just fine because I'm fine with the you know I don't mind the, the, if you're gonna assassinate a character this is the place to do it so I and I yeah it has I, tracked I it has tracked this way they weren't does, doing anything else I liked with him so yeah, that it that doesn't feel it like out of nowhere it doesn't just feel like some kind of arbitrary heel turn just for the mm -hmm. you know the, the he's also been it. extremely homophobic towards Colossus. Right, he, yeah, I mean, he's so not there, a nice There is a guy. bit of like, okay, he's got it coming kind of thing. Right, I mean, he, he's not just... At first it was un just some, like, discomfort around when Peter came out, and then it has, like, slowly just been turning into him just like, you know, you're an abomination, I can't be near you, you lied to me, what else are you hiding, blah, blah, blah. Like, just, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. And I do like um, Colossus coming into so. his own as a gay man, as a, yeah. as a gay teenager here. I think that is handled... Uh, more more intelligently and more carefully than you would probably expect from the Ultimate Universe, at yeah. least to this point in time. Yeah, I mean, the, um, I, I think it, it's, it feels like how you would do it now, which is just like, yeah, he's going on dates with boys, and that's, you know, we don't really talk yeah. about it too much. I, I think the only big difference you would see if this came out now is probably you wouldn't need the character being a bigot. I think that is trying to establish, like, that. that is the 2005 or 6 or whatever this came out, you know, the version of like no this is fine because look how like look how bad the 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 bigot looks here right like we need some contrast to to show the audience that you know it's bad to be homophobic i think you wouldn't need I think that what i would like instead would be, yeah in an earth 616 version would be like the religious nightcrawler like basically just someone posing the question to him like what do you make of that and then as an answer in terms of how he deals with like what the religion and the perception around that is versus Colossus as a friend and someone that he has empathy and, and affection sure. for, right? And just an intelligent answer about that, I think, would be the way to yeah. potentially handle exactly this this scenario. But it, I think in these comics, it's handled relatively well. Yeah. Um, now, the the main or the conclusion of this is Nightcrawler is not like kicked off the team. Professor X just brings him back and is like, oh, coma. put up some psycho, psycho blocks and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll put him in a coma for a bit and then he'll be back on the team. And really, Dazzler's like, that's ridiculous. I'm out of here. She leaves, which well, I feel she like wants, was overdue. She wants him. To, yeah, it's fine. But like, she, she also is just saying like, execute him. <laughs> you know, like she, yeah. she's not saying like, uh, put him in jail. She literally is just like, he should get the needle. It's like, okay. okay. I mean, he kidnapped you yeah. for four hours and you never felt in danger <laughs> so like he didn't even threaten you he put you in a cave and was just like here's some snacks uh you're safe now yeah um 
I really like the Nightcrawler fight. That was really fun. It's fun to see yes. Nightcrawler. I, I feel like this is the most, like, powered I've seen Nightcrawler both in Mainline and this Marvel, for what we've done reading. It's like, good to see him take on the whole X-Men. Because that he does stuff nice. that's, like, creative. Like, he zaps Colossus underground. He just puts Wolverine a few miles away. He throws uh, Cyclops up into the sky. Right? He just, mm-hmm. like, disperses them, basically, in inconvenient ways so he can deal with them one at a time. And it's, like, a yeah. smart smart use of his powers that was fun to see. So, yeah, totally yeah, agree. Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, I'm into it. I think this is the only X-Men annual we have left. There's no more annuals for this one. Strange, the annuals uh, are absolutely not annual. Yeah, there's only two of them. Annuals are weird Because we, we just read Spider-Man annual number one and X-Men yeah. annual number two. Next episode, we're reading Spider-Man annual number two. <laughs> I, I, never, I never understand why publishers, like Marvel specifically, like can't can't just get on like an annual schedule you know like it's I, it started out that way with fantastic forwards so i was like okay every year we'll do an annual um but then at, at some point i guess in the, definitely in the 2000s it becomes this thing where it's like i don't know maybe we'll do one this year and then it'll be three years before we do another one and it just becomes this like completely helter skelter i actually yeah. like having i like having an annual issue where you can do like a big story that's a little bit separate a little like it's a one like a novella kind of thing. yeah yeah, no, it fits. I think it fits pretty well. This this annual number two does also include a two issue backup by Kirkman and Lionel Francis Yu, uh, explaining why Professor X's cat is named Mystique, uh-huh. and it is exactly what you would think it would be. It's that she used to be a love interest of his, and he cheated on her with Emma Frost or left her for Emma Frost, one of the two. Yeah, and uh, and then Emma suggested they name their cat Mystique. Yep. <laughs> That's uh, it. Th- this feels like Kirkman being like, "Hey, let's not make Mystique a joke." here like we're, i want to use mystique maybe so let's like undo that let's not make her a joke cat right yeah. exactly right so like let, yeah. let's make this so that maybe i can bring i don't know if he brings mystique in to it but, i will never um, get used to professor x and emma frost uh having dated i i don't like that one is but, that is that true um, in mainline marvel as well well if it was i'd have an easier time getting used to it i will say yeah. that okay uh, yeah i have no I have no context for this um, yeah, well, you, you have context for Emma Frost. You saw her in the... Yeah, but not Phoenix if they saga. dated. I don't remember. When Professor X dates a lot of people. Dates kind of the Does most he? people. Yeah. I feel like we've seen him date like four He's or five people. He's dated Gabrielle but... Haller, which uh-huh. calling that dating is maybe a stretch. Yeah. And uh, Lalandra. I think that's Lalandra, it. Oh, and Myra. Moira. Moira. Yeah. Of course. You say Moira? Moira. Moira. There's my... Charles. You're the only friend I've ever had. Uh, we gotta got, do more. We gotta have more Meyer in our comics, so I can do my X Men '90s animated series Meyer more. We have often. to do a good, yeah, good Scottish accent for our Scottish listeners. We have one Scottish listener who's just gonna love it. Um, I bet we have two Scottish listeners. If you are a Scottish listener, please go over to My Ultimate Year on iTunes and leave a very Scottish rating and review of the show. It would be greatly appreciated. Um, I would say that to all of you as well, but especially our second Scottish especially you scots but you have to be i don't know i don't know putting this out i don't know if we have any like I, when I, I look through i don't god jesus never mind this, this joke what i was trying to make a note is happening to you trying to make a no true scotsman joke and i was gonna be like you were disintegrating before my eyes i couldn't think, this think of the way that it would work i was gonna be like there's no true scotsman in the the club because it's a it's a fallacy it's a, like a logical fallacy the no true You're scotsman fallacy. fallacy gotcha oh. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicherald.com. He's Zach. You can find him online at My Marvelous Year. Together, 
We are my ultimate. We're reading through the ultimate universe. If you want to keep reading with us, definitely you can check out in uh, the show notes here. If you want to get the full list of everything we're going to be reading, go on over to patreon.com slash my marvelous year for as little as $1 a month. You can get that music for the show. <laughs> Dang it. I did it again. Oh, I had, we had a way to mm-hmm. say this and I totally lost it. I completely, di- you just have to start it. with by divine, right? By divine, right? Perf- it put out performed the uh, <laughs> every episode we zoom them in they do a cut live and then we use that version but they're so good that it by divine right is the the, the artist who made our theme song by divine right did the theme song for my ultimate year and uh dave did the the good bits and zach responded <laughs> hey come on <laughs> got you with the get out of here all right thanks everybody for listening and as always uh, we will see you Oh, not as always. There is no as always. On we'll my see you next year. month. That's fine. We'll just do. We'll that see you one next month. Yeah. Oh, we'll see lame. you next month. Lame. We'll see you on the ultimate side. Ult- ultimate side. Ultimate. Think of an ultimate pun. Nope. Um, I got we'll be all the time. I got tissue. All I know. All I know.